Hi, I'm Kat, grassroots marketer turned brand builder. And I'm Candice, educator turned entrepreneur. And you're listening to Not Nice, Clever. Your weekly dose of not so nice, but oh so clever advice and actionable strategies to grow your mind, brand, and bank account beyond your wildest dreams. Free of charge. You're welcome. So grab your notebook and let's get to it. Today's episode is everyone's an influencer, including you. I know the word influencer makes you cringe, and that's exactly why we're talking about this today. Absolutely. And I love it when this topic comes up because the idea of influencer this day and age means something completely different than what it did a couple decades ago, right? So here's the story I like to share with clients when the topic of influencer comes up, all right? Because the definition of that word has evolved over time, whether or not you realize it, but that's why we're schooling you on it here today. So the example I love to share is Michael Jordan. Everybody knows Michael Jordan. Everyone wanted to be like Mike in the 80s, in the 90s. He was a global icon, right? And as he was coming up in his career and growing and learning and experimenting and, you know, challenging himself, one thing that happened in 1984 was that he signed his first brand deal with Nike. At the time, it was worth a quarter of a million dollars. And mind you, this was years before he ever won his first championship, right? 1991, the year that I was born, was the first year that he won. But this is seven years prior, y'all. He signed a quarter of a million dollar brand deal. Why? Because everybody wanted to be like Mike. He was an influencer, but nobody called him an influencer. They just said, oh my God, I got to be like Mike. I got to get the Air Jordans. I got to get the game-winning sneaks that he wore, you know, at that championship game. He was an influencer. And, you know, to this day, you can go back and read interviews and he talks about the, the, the regret that he has in not wanting to fight for ownership in the company or ownership in that deal. He just took the payday at that point in time because it looked great on paper, but long-term it didn't serve him. So this whole idea of influencing and influencers is not new. You know, Michael Jordan's the example we use, but let's talk about Coco Chanel or mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe or... Marie Antoinette. I don't know, Candice, you've got an influence or two up your sleeve, I know. I mean, I'm sure. Just, you know, Marie Forleo, I look to mm-hmm. as an influencer. Just so many people. But the point of today's episode, I think, is to really showcase that you are already an influencer. You have influence in so many areas of your life already, likely in your workplace, something as simple as deciding which happy hour spot hit up, at the dinner table with your family, convincing your kids not to throw their vegetables at one another. When you're walking down the street and someone asks you, oh my gosh, I love your bag. Where'd you get that from? Those shoes are awesome. People are already asking you, oh my gosh, your hair, which products do you use? I love it. How is it so shiny? Cat gets asked that all the time. I do. So you're already an influencer and that's what we want to talk about today. And the reason why this matters is because influence equals authority. People automatically, unconsciously trust those who they view as influential to make recommendations for them about what to buy, where to do business, how to dress, what hair products to use, what skin products to use. Whatever they can do to be like Mike or whoever their Mike is, 
they are making decisions based on whether or not someone has influence. And this brings us right into the heart of the first thing we want to talk about. Candace, take it away because I feel like this is a very not nice topic for us to cover, but we're covering it anyway. This is not nice. That's (laughs) why we're talking about it. People actually love being told what to do. Decision fatigue is real, especially with how much information we're bombarded with on and offline every single minute of every single day. Y'all, I can't tell you how many times I just go on TikTok and type in, you know, which sunscreen to use or which, I don't know, summer salad, what dinner to eat. Like, (laughs) tell me what to eat. Tell me what to wear. Tell me what to put on my skin. Like, I'm Googling that stuff. I'm finding people who share that stuff. Not not Googling. I'm really using TikTok now. (laughs) That's your Google. That's changed. Yeah. Yeah, that's my Google. But I'm looking, I'm searching for those answers now. And the people who give me those answers, I I trust them. I follow them. If I like one thing that they have given to me, one thing that they have shared with me, I'm likely to like more of those things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of information out there. But if you can be the person that solves someone's problem, even if it's as small as what to eat for dinner tonight, you're winning. You're an influencer. And the best part is that they'll actually thank you for it. They'll thank you for telling them what to do and to taking that burden of making a decision off of their shoulders. Because I don't know about you, Candice, but some of our most popular videos are the ones where we are legitimately telling people exactly what to do and what not to do. It's not rocket science, right? It's really not. I just watched a video today about this girl who hasn't washed her hair in eight days. What? Yeah. And apparently she like doesn't wash her hair for almost two weeks regularly. And she is, I know, I know it's crazy. I need more information. I don't know what's going on. And the crazy thing is that her hair is like freaking amazing. And she does these TikTok videos that get thousands and thousands of views and likes and engagement because she step-by-step tells people how to go that long without washing your hair. Mm -hmm. I'm not advocating for this. I still don't know how I feel about it, but her hair looks amazing (laughs) and she breaks down the step-by-step process and people freaking love it. So if Mm -hmm. you can literally tell people what to do, I think that ultimately people will follow and stay with you because- Mm -hmm one less thing for them to worry about. Yep. People don't want to do the brain damage. Honestly, this is why they hire consultants like us because we have reverse engineered the path of least resistance and are able to effectively communicate it in a step-by-step process. And because we have the wisdom of that experience, people are like, done, I'm sold. The relief that I see in my client's eyes When I have a mapped out plan for them, here's what we're going to do. They're just like immediately like guard down, excited, ready to go because it's all the things that they knew Mm -hmm. they probably should be thinking about or doing, but now it's just mapped out and it's clear. And ultimately people just want to be told what to do. Yeah. So that's not nice, but it's true. And here's the thing, folks. If you in your day to day, or even, you know, when you were at work earlier, or when you were with your kids, and you told them what to do, in a really kind of like, you know, non threatening way, like, we don't want to like shout at people, maybe sometimes we do. 
if you told someone what to do, you made a recommendation and they listened to you and they did it, you're an influencer. So I'm sorry to like rip that bandaid off, but that's the reality. Yep. And another thing that I think is noteworthy is that you don't have to have 10,000 followers. That was the thing, right? That was the myth, right? You have to get the swipe up for 10,000. And it's like, oh my gosh, why? For what? Seriously. Yeah. Getting to 10,000 followers. Thank God that's gone. You can add a link no matter how big or small your audience is on Instagram. Yes. Thank you, Instagram. But that's not a thing anymore. Okay. You don't need 10,000 followers to be an influencer. Mm -hmm. In fact, the micro influencer economy is booming and will overtake the macro influencer economy soon enough. I mm-hmm. actually just looked up a statistic, Kat, and I'll share it with you. Yeah, share it with the people here. Okay, so almost half, 47.3% of influencers are micro-influencers, and they're defining micro-influencers as people with 5,000 to 20,000 followers on their largest social media platform. So that would qualify me as a micro-influencer, I would imagine. Oh shit. Yeah. Right. Me too. Yeah. See, it's like, it's not that overwhelming. And that actually goes back to the story that we shared at the beginning here. Michael Jordan landed a quarter million brand deal seven years before he won a championship. You guys don't Mm -hmm. need 10,000 followers to have influence or be able to leverage your influence to build your brand and to build a business. It's a lie. So stop telling yourself this like right now, period, Mm -hmm. full stop. I have a client who had, I'm not going to quote the exact right number, but I want to say somewhere between six and 800 followers. Mm -hmm. We changed up some things in her bio, added some keywords, you know, took care of her first nine, you know, making sure her above the fold, above the fold. And within a week or so, she got an out of state client because her SEO was on point. And when they Mm -hmm. typed in her area, they found her, she popped up, she looked like a nice woman who knew what she was talking about mm-hmm. and she got a sale and they didn't find her because she had a hundred thousand followers. They found her because she was well positioned. Mm-hmm. Quality over quantity people. And honestly, like waiting for the right time. I know Candace, you'd shared uh, in another episode, one of your brand values was action and taking mm-hmm. action. And that is 100% applicable here. There's no right time or someday. I mean, last I checked, that day was not an actual day of the week um, (laughs) to start owning the influence you already have. Like permission granted, stop listening or worrying about what, you know, a top line follower account means for your business. Because literally we just proved that you can have a very, very quantitatively small following, but still be able to exert influence and do business online. And if you're looking to like work with other brands, Mm -hmm. brands are actually very excited to be working with micro influencers because it's more economical for them. They likely can hire many micro influencers and get in front of all of their audiences for a fraction of the price that it would cost them to get one macro influencer or mega influencer. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, since it's more economical for them, something that they're looking into. So like I said earlier, 47.3% of influencers are macro influencers. hundred percent. And of course, now I'm sure the question on everybody's mind listening in is like, okay, 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 Kat, Candice, we get it. We get it. 
I'm an influencer. All right. But now how do I actually go about leveraging that influence? And Mm. our answer is always the same. And I know you are an expert in this area. So I'm going to let you take this one away. Yeah, it's definitely about knowing your expertise and AKA knowing your brand Mm -hmm. and creating content around it consistently. So if you haven't yet done this, go back to episode two, grab your brand kit for free Mm -hmm. where we show you how to start your brand because that is key. So once you know your brand, you can start creating content around that topic over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And according to research, people need to see something about 14 times before they remember where it came from, before they put the idea of, you know, real estate and Candace together, they have Mm -hmm. to see that 14 times. Another thing that I think is noteworthy here is that when you're showing up online, only a fraction of your audience is seeing your posts, specifically Mm -hmm. on Instagram. If you go look at your insights, let's say you have a thousand followers, you go look at your insights and maybe three or 400 people saw your post Mm -hmm. if it's not a real, right? So only a fraction of people are seeing it, which means that you have to do even more than that to be in front of them 14 Mm -hmm. times, right? So think about that. That's really important. If you feel like you're repeating yourself with your content, that's great. If you sound like a broken record, that is the goal. You should be having the same message over and over and over again. Sounds like a broken record means that you're doing something right. Nike hasn't stopped telling us to just do it. McDonald's hasn't stopped saying how much they're loving it. Mm-hmm. saying the same thing over and over again really helps to solidify you in the minds of your audience. Kat, you got something to share on this one? I do. And I think this goes back to, again, like Clever Girl Credo, marketing yourself mm-hmm. and owning it, knowing that you have influence, knowing that you are able to communicate it and being unapologetic in communicating it over and over and over again. Like Candace just said, if you're a broken record, you're doing it right. I know that is probably contrary to everything that you have heard growing up. Like, you know, don't repeat yourself. You sound like a broken record. What's going on? Mm -hmm. I already heard this before. But you likely had those experiences and were told that by people who were probably a part of your family or extended family. And they were telling it because they had face-to-face interactions with you, right? Offline. Online is a whole different ballgame. Let's say you have 600 followers, maybe only 30 or 40 people of your following see your story. And how often, think back to last time you were on stories, tapping through, tapping through. Do you actually read and consume every single story that you tap through? No. You know, it's funny. This brings to mind a story. One of our brand strategists was working on a big book launch a few years ago, right? And so they were leveraging LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram to promote this launch. And it was, I mean, Candace, it was a months long campaign over and over and over again. And this brand strategist was like, I honestly felt like by the end of it, people were going to be like wanting to wring my neck because I was talking about this book so much. I was sticking to the script. I was talking about the main points, our catchphrases, you know, taking snippets from the book. And she's like, I started to feel like like a fraud. Like I just, I needed to stop talking about it. She's like, and then she's like, then it happened. She's like, we were like eight months into this launch and someone reached out to me and they're like, Hey, are you, um, 
you doing some sort of like book launch or something? I, I thought <laughs> I saw something and she almost lost it. She's like, are you fucking kidding me? What right. are you talk eight months of campaigning? Because we're only seeing it from our own perspective. Yes. Right. And we're not considering what our audience is actually getting in their feed and what they're actually connecting with. Because even if they get it in their feed, they might be scrolling past, right? Mm-hmm. So we definitely have to be thinking about the audience side of it and not just how we're feeling because we feel like we've talked about it every day. A hundred percent. And the other thing, you know, I think it goes back to is that obviously we're talking about everybody's an influencer, including you here today. And just like there are people of all shapes and sizes, and there are businesses of all shapes and sizes, right? There's businesses with a quarter million dollar overhead, million dollar overhead, businesses that have no overhead, you know, influencers come and influence comes in all shapes and sizes and manners. And it's not just a one size fits all or the one idea of influencer you have in your mind. So it really, you know, goes back to understanding and owning you know, what influence you do have and creating content about that or around that and being unapologetic about it. And always remembering, you know, the first thing we brought up, people enjoy being told what to do. You're not going to piss them off, right? You're not. And thinking about what it is that people often ask you about. Mm, Good point. The thing that people often ask you about, if you're not sure, you know, where your brand is going or, you know, you're starting a side hustle or something like that, A great place to start is whatever that is. So if they love the food that you make, great. Maybe that's a thing. If they're always asking for recipes or if they're just always asking like, oh my gosh, you went to that restaurant last week. Maybe you're just like a food review person. Like you don't have to give recipes, right? You could just recommend restaurants. Mm -hmm. So start thinking about what people often ask you about. And there might be something in there that can guide you towards, you know, which industry or which type of content would connect most with your audience. But I always like to remind you that it's also your choice. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be what people know you for right now. It could be something that you've just always been interested in, maybe haven't shared. Mm -hmm. So there's hints everywhere, but I would say always follow your passion. And I think that for me, I always looked a little bit ahead of what people knew me for. Mm -hmm. Also thought about what I wanted to be known for. I love that because that goes right back to branding. And the best thing about branding is that it's entirely within your control. If you're building it intentionally and paying attention to the areas in your life where you already do have influence and then being proactive and knowing the areas in which you do want to be influential, right? When I started out, it was only in the lifestyle fitness space. I have since pivoted and have experience in startups with high-end construction, interior design, and now real estate, which brought Candace and I together. And, you know, a really simple way to start exerting that type of influence, if you don't have clients yet, or you don't have business and you're telling yourself, oh, I can't talk about it until I have it. Just start talking about the questions that are on your mind, right? Create the content yourself that you want to be known for, that you want to be influential in. And you'd be surprised what shakes out because again, if you have influence and you have expertise and you're sharing that and you're able to solve problems for people, they will love you for it and immediately equate you as an authoritative resource in that space. It really is that easy. Like it is not rocket science that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. And 
cat, you know, I always like to say I pull up my own damn chair. Like I don't need someone to invite me to the table. Mm -hmm. I will pull up my chair and, and, you know, state my piece, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. I think that if you are looking to break into a, a space that maybe you haven't had a lot of experience in, surround yourself with people who are at the place that you want to be. So Mm -hmm. that might mean that you have to invest in going to conferences and networking Mm -hmm. events or getting in those clubhouse rooms with those people or, you know, signing up for webinars, networking, getting in Facebook groups or Facebook groups still a thing. I think they are. I think that they're coming back. Yeah. So doing the work of putting yourself in the space where those people are is going to present so much opportunity for you. And I think that people are too often waiting to be invited. Mm-hmm. Kat, you know that I am not above begging for an invite. <laughs> no. And in fact, guys, I'll, we'll share like a top secret here. Um, it's not going to be so top secret once we hit publish on this, but <laughs> Candace and I were so forthright and firm in our belief to attend a particular mastermind a few months back that we essentially told our group, we're going it would be really nice if we were reimbursed for it, you know, as a business expense, but we believe in it so much and we know the value we have to offer and we want to be able to serve our clients that are going to be there. We're going regardless. Yep. Period. Period. Right? It's going to happen. And so I think that when you speak with such certainty and you're clear that you know you're going to add value, then people can't say no. No, they didn't say no. No, they didn't. We came, we got reimbursed. It was great. Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, whether we're talking about a local event or, you know, an event in another state, I know that when I really started to expand my business, it was through networking and it was through networking with a worldwide lens. Mm-hmm. And when I first started out, I didn't think about that. But now I have friends everywhere. And I can, you know, call up a friend in any state and several countries and say like, Hey, I want to like host a workshop. Can I use your brokerage? (laughs) They'd be like, sure. (laughs) Because I I know so many people and that also is by design. I intentionally knew I wanted to surround myself with people who made more money than me, people who Mm -hmm. were 10 steps ahead of me, people who had similar backgrounds, people who had different backgrounds. All of those things were things that I thought about. And I think that it can be intimidating when you're first starting out to put yourself in those rooms with those people. But Mm -hmm. once you are in rooms with those people, you realize that they're just human beings. And if you have something that they need, if you can take something off their plate, you can be really instrumental and valuable and you can make a key relationship there. Mm -hmm. And be able to be so, so influential. I love that too. If you're, if you're the smartest person in the room and everything, you're in the wrong room. You're doing something wrong. You're not going to grow. You're not going to make an impact. I pride myself in being the least smart person in every room I'm in. (laughs) So much opportunity to grow. And yet folks, trust us. Candace and I have done this so many times throughout our careers Put yourself in the room where you are seemingly not the smartest person. You'll still learn a lot, but you will find moments where you'll make a suggestion or you'll know a statistic or you'll be able to offer a perspective and they'll look at you and they'll be like, Hmm. wow, Mm -hmm. that's actually, there's something there. 
And then they'll start asking more questions and you're like, oh, did I just completely change the vibe of the room by opening my mouth and raising my hand? Yeah. I did. Thank you. So we've got a clever call to action today. It's not your standard call to action. You know, we love inspiring and encouraging everyone to take action. So with our mini and growing influencer army here, Candice, you want to you want to give the people the assignment? Yeah, here's the assignment, y'all. So we're okay. action takers. Action's one of my values. So this week, we'd like you to create a short form video. That's a video less than 60 seconds, sharing three tips, telling your ideal client exactly what to do to get what they want. And you can tag us in it on Instagram or TikTok. We'd be happy to be tagged. And this is your opportunity Mm-hmm. to take something that you learned today and put it into action so you can position yourself as the go-to person in your space online. Let us know that you understood the assignment and do not forget to tag us on Instagram or TikTok and we'll see you there. Thanks for joining us on Not Nice, Clever. Remember to follow our podcast wherever you listen to audio and head to www.notnicecover.com to connect for more. Drop a question, we'll shoot you an answer. We're not gatekeepers here. Signing off, you're not so nice, but also clever besties that mean business. See you next week.